The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. I'm Andy Sukov. I'll be your host tonight on this Sunday evening, June 26, 2022, here in Merrick, New York. Great spot to be, and definitely a great day to be outside. A little hot, but you know, for late June, to be only 90 and not 97 is incredible, so take that and run with it. Before we begin, I just want to remind everybody that you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And if you don't already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, or pretty much anywhere that you get your podcast. So, as I said, late June, there's really only one thing going on here in New York right now, and that's the Yankees. But before we get to that, uh, it's, an o- it's an open show. I want to hear from you guys. So hit us up at 516-623-1240, and we'll talk. I would definitely want to hear from you. Well, I'll start with the top. We'll start with, we'll start with the Yankees, because that's the biggest thing going on in New York right now. Showed some fight in themselves today after being no-hit for 16 straight innings, including a combined no-hitter yesterday at the hands of the Houston Astros, using three pitchers to completely shut down the Yankees' offense. And they got into the, they got through seven innings of no hit ball today before Giancarlo Stanton finally put an end to that with a home run that actually what became the catalyst for what became a, a 6-3 Yankee win courtesy of Aaron Judge. And anybody who's watching him right now knows that he is every good thing that he does. He's just counting, he and his agent are just adding up the money that's going to be on that contract that either Hal Steinbrenner or some other general manager is going to give him in the offseason because he is having a phenomenal season right now. He is arguably the best player in the American League. He's probably one of the best players just in general. And the Yankees are lucky to have him going up there with his 28 home runs. His 60 RBIs, his batting, his good batting average in a league that doesn't really care about it anymore. He's still up there. He's still putting the ball in play. He's putting it over the fence. He's doing everything that you want, you want your best player to do. And it was an interesting stat I saw today about the no hitters that they had, that they tied a record that since 1961 only two other teams have been no-hit for 16 consecutive innings. And that were the 1973 Oakland A's and the 1981 Los Angeles Dodgers. And now those two teams, besides playing California, they do have something else in common as well. And that is, they won the World Series. So if you want to gamble responsibly and put a couple shekels down on the Yankees to win the World Series, you know they have some precedent there. Something to think about. And unfortunately, we did see, even though they did split with the Houston Astros, which is good for 
confidence purposes going into October playoff baseball where they will most likely wind up running into the Astros again unless by some miracle the Astros get bounced in the wild card or in the first round and the Yankees don't have to face them. And that's, of course, assuming the Yankees handle their business and win. But one of the things we did see in this series is that the cold bats kind of reared their heads as, you know, when you get no hit for 60 trade innings, that's going to happen. That It is what it is. And we, we saw that in April, especially, especially at the beginning of the season when it is starting to, when it starts out, it's still kind of cold and everybody's kind of getting their, getting their feet wet again. And especially with a delayed spring training, a shortened one a little bit, you know, it takes some time to get back to it. So we saw that, we saw that happen. And that's to be expected at any given point of a baseball season. It's 162 games over the course of five and a half months. That's a long time. So, as we've all seen, a baseball season is full of peaks and valleys. You'll have a, you'll have a week where you, the team is hitting 327 and everyone's hitting home runs and driving in three runs a game. And then you'll have the week where nobody can get on base except for one person, and you lose every game five nothing, four to one, eight to two, and you, that that happens. And if this is if this is in fact a valley for the Yankees right now, they're six and four in their last ten. That's a, still a pretty good valley. I mean, most teams would kill to have a six and four valley. Most valleys are two and eight, one and nine. 3-10, and ten, and the Yankees don't have that right now. They're still 11 games up on the Boston Red Sox, who are in second place in the division. And that's even with this little bit of a slump there, and I don't even know if I want to call it that. So they're still in a great position to be the number one seed in the American League, get that by, and take care of business. There's... Obviously, nobody's expecting them to be the 98 Yankees and win 114 games. Although, starting 53 and 20, you might, you might have that idea. You know, they, they go, they have an incredible June, and you think, okay, this team definitely has something special. And they do. Their pitching is off the charts. Even with Nestor Cortez coming back down to earth a little bit, as he did today, he struck, he still struck out seven over five innings, but giving up a first pitch home run to Jose Altuve, he's been start, he's been starting to give up a couple more runs here and there. You knew he wasn't the 1.79 ERA guy, but you know he's also not the give up three runs in five innings every start guy either. You know there's something in the middle that he is, and we're, so we're, for every seven inning, a one run game we're gonna see, we're gonna see a dud against Tampa, we're gonna see barely, we're gonna see getting through five and then, and then out. It happens like that again, just like a team has peaks and valleys. So do so does everyday players. So does pitchers. It that's just how a season works. And even so, going fifty three and twenty through your first seventy three games, and as you're approaching the halfway point of the season, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be real happy about that. They have a lot of winnable series coming up uh, over the next couple weeks. They have three against Oakland. They have three on the road in Cleveland two at Pittsburgh and a random game in Houston. And then going into the All-Star break, they have a series with the Cincinnati Reds 
bookended by two series against the Boston Red Sox. So by by the time they hit the All Star break in a few weeks, this Yankee team could could conceivably be 15, 16 games up in the division, which would be an almost almost insurmountable lead. I don't want to say definitely insurmountable because we've seen it happen before, where teams blow big leads. Sixteen games is a very hard thing to break, but it's nothing's impossible. Like I'm starting to see at least where we're getting towards July, and the trade deadline is not too close. But also not too far away either. So now I'm, I'm looking at this team and I, I look at it and say, where, where can they improve on? Because e- even with a team that's 33 games over 500, their pitching has been phenomenal. Over the last two weeks, the hitters have really stepped up, even with, even with getting no hit yesterday. There's still areas where this team can improve on. And I'm, I look at the bench. They need a left-handed bat because Joey Gallo is just a left-handed person. He's he's not a bat. He hits 173, which is pathetic. I'm I'm sorry. You're you're a major league ball player. You should not be almost 30 points below the Mendoza line. You shouldn't be anywhere near the Mendoza line if you're a professional athlete. Like you're telling me that you can't get a hit 20% of the time. That's that's unacceptable to me. She struck out 81 times in 179 at-bats and 207 plate appearances. That's not good enough. They need to bring in an actual left-handed hitter who actually puts the ball in play, which is something that Gallo does not do. And we, we, we've seen it in this in this recent series against Houston. He didn't play a lot. And when he did play, he didn't do anything. He's a good defensive player. Nobody's going to take that away from him. And that is a very important part of the game. But he was brought in to provide that left-handed power as the other side of Judge and Stanton and LeMahieu, where you have a very right-handed, heavy lineup. They brought in Gallo and Rizzo to be the left-handed complements to that. And Rizzo has held up his end. And I'm glad that they re-signed him in the offseason. Joey Gallo has not. And I can't wait for him to go away. Whenever that may be. Whether it's at the end of the season or sometime before. If they find a team that's crazy enough to take on the remaining part of his contract. Or even if the Yankees have to eat it and pay the extra $5 million just to make it, just to make that problem go away. And even if they get nothing in return on it. I, he, he's clearly proven that he's n- not fit to be a Yankee. And they they need somebody like one of the names I see floating around is Andrew Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals, who we know we know he can play in New York because he's he played with the Red Sox for a while and usually hit usually hit pretty well against the Yankees. But the difference is are will you see him flourish as a Yankee or is it just because he was there as an opponent and didn't have the same kind of pressure as you as you do as a home as a home player, where everyone's kind of looking at you in a different way. When you're the opponent, it's okay. We're gonna we're gonna boo this guy, and that's it. And then we move on. 
then we forget about him until the next time he shows up. Or the next time the Yankees go to play him and then he hits a home run against you. When he's on your team, now you see him every day. It's kind of like Gary Sanchez over the last few years. We saw him every day. We knew what he was. And the fans jumped on him. Maybe it was, some of it was unwarranted. And I, I admit, I, I jumped on him a little bit too. I, I would always say he's the best option they have, but that's not really saying a lot because he's not, he's not a good catcher. And then when the hitting doesn't go with it, it's basically a black hole position. So they trade him and now it's, now it's Minnesota's problem. And they're, they're seeing, they're seeing what we all saw. And that's the same thing that we're seeing with Joey Gallo. That's the same thing we're seeing with Aaron Hicks. Although he has been playing a little bit better over the last couple of weeks, so I will I will back off a hair. Though I would have liked to have seen him put the ball in play in the ninth inning when he had the chance. But with that being said, we're still like a month and a half away from the trade deadline, so it's it's still kind of irrelevant what they need now because what they need now might change over the next six to eight weeks. Where you don't know who who's going to get hurt, you don't know who's going to make themselves available in the next six weeks. You don't know what teams are going to fall out of it and decide that they're going to be sellers. You don't know what teams are going to get hot and think, okay, we we have a shot to make it to the playoffs. We're not trading away any of our assets because we want to keep them for this playoff run. So you you can see the you can see the been areas of improvement, but they're not they're not gonna act on it right now because they don't have to. They can keep an they can take note of it and see who's gonna potentially be available to them, but they're not gonna make that move right now. But where they can improve immediately and they don't have to do anything with it, is their bullpen. And I, I happen to I happen to like what their bullpen has done this season. Even with the injuries to Aroldis Chapman and Jonathan Lewise again, Zach Britton not being there all season long. I was was listening earlier and they were saying that he's starting to throw and looking good. So could he maybe show up in September? That seems a little ambitious, but I'm not going to be opposed to it. Aroldis Chapman is finishing up his rehab at AA Somerset. And from what I'm seeing, he's says he's feeling good, the pitches look good, and that's exactly what you want to hear. If you're bringing back the you're bringing back the closer. Though I will I will be up front. I don't when he comes back, I don't think he should be the closer. I think he should be the setup man for Clay Holmes or even put him in the 7th inning. Cuz Clay Holmes to me has earned the right to be the closer until further notice. He's pitched incredibly well this season, especially in Chapman's absence. He's got movement on his pitches that, as I said last month, I didn't realize that pitches could do. And until he falters or proves that he, or shows that he shouldn't be the closer, he should be. And I'm curious to see what the front office decides to do with him. Whether they they say that he's going to be the closer and forced Aaron Boone to do that or if they let if they let Boone make that decision for himself and I'm kind of curious to see what decision Boone would make there I think he would leave Holmes as the closer 
because he's he's now seen what Holmes is capable of. And why why mess with the good thing? That's just that's just one person's opinion. I'd love to hear your opinion about it. Hit me up five one six six two three one two four zero. I want to hear. Do, do you think it should be Holmes as the closer, or do you think it should be Chapman when he comes back? Or even more, yeah, Jonathan Luizaga, who you could you can conceivably throw his name in the mix. He's starting to get some mound work in through twenty pitches the other day. Says he's feeling good. I like the sound of that. He was he's been one of their best relievers over the last couple of years. I want to see him. I want to see him back in the bullpen sooner rather than later. And that's not a knock on Ron Marinaccio, because no nobody knew who he was coming into the season. But he's he's pitched okay for for them this this year. Miguel Castro has been good for him. Wandy Peralta has been solid. And that's a good solid bullpen. And when you're adding those two and maybe a third in Britain leading into the playoff run, that's huge for a team that has expectations. That if your starter doesn't pitch well, you have enough arms that can get you through a game. But you may not even have to worry about it if their starting pitching is going to continue to be as consistent as they have been over the last three or four weeks. Obviously, every pitcher is going to have a bad start or two. Like you look at Jamison Tyone the other night against Houston. Did not pitch well. They still managed to come back and win, which is nice. Uh, Severino is usually due for a dud here and there. Garrett Cole is due for a dud once in a while. Uh, Montgomery, you know, he's been pitching very well and gets no run support. So on the days that he will give up five or six runs, you know, it, it does happen. But if they can continue to pitch generally well and they get three and a half good starts a week from their starters, there's not much more you can ask for on that. I also, I'm also looking at third base as somewhere that can be improved on as well. And I, I always liked Josh Donaldson. I, I always thought he was a player that would have done very well at the, with the Yankees when he was like 28, 29, when he was winning the MVP in 2015. But now at 36, I think he's starting to show that age. You know, he's in he's in 226. It's a he's a far cry from even his last year self when he hit 27 home runs for the Twins, and even a further cry from his 2019 in Atlanta where he hit basically 260, hit 37 homers, 94 RBIs, had a good OPS, and then even further from his MVP years with Toronto when he was hitting 40 home runs a year. But while I'm not expecting him to be 2015 Josh Donaldson in 2022, I'm also not expecting a guy to go from hitting almost 30 home runs last year to only six this year and not and not really hitting the ball well at all with his 225 batting average. That's not something you want to see from your everyday third baseman. And I, and even though he doesn't hit for a lick of power, I would honestly give Isaiah Kiner-Falefa the third base job. Like, Here you go. Don't let us down. And running it, running infield, Kiner-Falefa at third, LeMahieu at short, or actually flip that, put LeMahieu at third, Kiner-Falefa at short, Torres at second, Rizzo at first. And that way, keep Donaldson on the bench, pinch hit him here and there, and don't don't mess with a good thing. Because Donaldson is not an everyday player anymore. And I 
and I didn't understand the trade at the time. Like, I know people wanted a pound of flesh for Gary Sanchez, but getting rid of Urshela as well did not really sit right with me. As I, I think Urshela would have been a nice piece to, for the Yankees to have this year. His his numbers are down in Minnesota. He's all, He's got basically the same home run in RBIs as Donaldson does, but is hitting 30 points better on his average. And I, I know that batting average is not the be-all, end-all of stats, as there's a lot more that goes into it. And, you know, the analytics talk about batting average on balls in play and OPS and slugging percentage and all that. And, and I get that. But I call, call me simplistic, but I want a guy, I don't care if the guy hits the ball 190 miles an hour or 3 miles an hour. But if the one who hits it 3 miles an hour gets on base, and the guy who did 190 miles an hour has his ball caught. Who looks better in that moment? And I would say the guy who hit the ball three miles an hour but is standing on first base rather than going back to the dugout. I just want to. I just want to. I want to know what what they're going to do as we get closer to the trade deadline. And let's let's say for argument's sake. Donaldson gets hot and has a good two weeks where he hits 310 and hits four home runs, drives in 10 RBIs. Are they going to keep running with him or are they going to try to make that improvement at third base so that way he can continue to be a bench player? And to that, I, I don't know what what their mindset's going to be. And I'm obviously not in the front office. And, and the the thought, of, the thought of, I would love to be a fly on the wall during those discussions of, you know, personnel negotiations, like who's gonna, like what should we do with this player and how should we address this? And they still have, they still have young guys in, in the farm system who should, should be able to make, make moves this year, like Miguel Andahar and Anthony Volpe and Oswald, and Oswald Perrazzo. These are all guys who could be major league ball players right now. Andahar especially, I mean, he was hitting before getting sent back down to make room on the roster for a returning Donaldson and which I honestly I honestly felt bad for the guy it's like you like you didn't you didn't deserve that like you were you were hitting you were playing a decent enough left field that you you made the case to stay and I I hope he does find a spot that he can play every day in the major leagues cuz he he really should at this point he played well in 2018 and then got hurt in 2019 and he's never really been fully healthy until this year and he was he was playing very well and you you hate to see a guy who really really busts his ass and gets out there and puts in the work and still gets shafted in the end because there's somebody who had who had that spot before you that unfortunately you're kind of stuck with on the major league roster that you can't send down, and you you have those options with Andar. I I, w- I want to see him be an everyday major league ball player, and unfortunately, just like with Clint Frazier, it's not going to be here. Frazier was his own fault because he kept he also kept getting hurt and then didn't hit when he was healthy. Andar at least can. And I, and I look at Clint Frazier; he got demoted in Chicago after hitting. 205. So clearly the Yankees were right to let him go after last season. And I think they're a little bit vindicated on that. And as that trade just 
didn't really work out. They like they got nothing. At, they got nothing out of that. I mean, they they had traded for Justice Sheffield, who was then traded away to Seattle. They got Frazier in that deal, and neither of them did anything for the Yankees, and that's that's kind of a shame. But not every trade is going to work out for you, as that's the nature of the business. And Brian Cashman, he's been he's been at it for 25 years now. He's watched the game change over those 25 years. And while the calls for change have been getting louder and louder over the years, I do still think he is, for now, the best option to be putting this team together. I will, will I feel the same way in July if he doesn't make a move that shows that they're committed to get in the World Series this year? I might. I might change my mind. But for now, I do believe that he's got a plan in place for this team to pull out a World Series championship and have that parade down the Canyon Heroes sometime in early November for a for a championship-starved city. We we look at we look at we look at New York. They haven't had a, a championship in 11 years, not since the Giants won the won the Super Bowl back against New England Patriots in Super Bowl 47. It's been 13 years since the Yankees won the World Series. It's been 36 years since the Mets won the World Series, and they're they're on a good track to potentially break that as well. I I would love to see a, a rematch of the 2000 World Series. I I would imagine a lot of New Yorkers would. You know the the Jets haven't won anything in almost 60 years. I'm hoping they're on the up and up. The Giants need to rebuild. I and I'm hoping they're going to do it the right way with with Dable and Shane at the helm. The Rangers had their shot this year, and we'll we'll get more into that after the break. Uh, as the Stanley Cup is going on, we will give you a score update when we come back from that. The Islanders and the Devils have some changes happening. And the Knicks and Nets are just in their own level of funk that nobody knows how they're going to get out of. The whole Kyrie Irving situation where he may not, he may be looking to, looking for a trade. The Knicks, I don't know what they did on Thursday night in the NBA draft, but if they don't get, they don't get a top free agent, things are going to get real ugly real fast over at Madison Square Garden for the blue and orange. Not that they haven't been ugly for the last I don't know, twenty years. So that may just that may just not actually change. So like, maybe I shouldn't say it's gonna get ugly real fast. It it's been ugly, but it just might get unbearable. And there's going to be some very loud people at Madison Square Garden that James Dolan is going to have to ban because he's got paper thin skin and doesn't know how to take any kind of criticism or. You know, any, any help. And I'm sure I'm, if, if Dolan was listening or if like any of his guys listening, I might be getting banned from Madison Square Garden after tonight. I really hope not. But, you know, I stand, I stand by what I said. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Stanley Cup's going on right now. Will the Lightning be playing game seven on Tuesday? We'll be right back.
stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the second half of WGBB Sports Talk New York here on WGBB 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Before I get back to it, got to shout out my man Brian Grace behind the glass. Brian, how we doing? We got thumbs up from Brian. I, I feel like I, can, I can't continue the show until I get that thumbs up. So I, I always make, always got to make sure I do it. I should probably do it in the first half of the show, but I, I've been doing it in the second half of the show for like five years now. So I think I'm, just, I think I'm just gonna keep doing it that way. You know, keep it, keep it going. Of course, phone lines are open five one six six two three one two four zero is the number to call. If you want to talk about the Yankees, the Mets, the Stanley Cup, the NBA draft and free agency, the NFL, the NHL, I, I don't care. You, you want, you want to talk about the CFL? I, I'll, pre- I'll pretend like I know what I'm talking about. You know, the, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they're, they're really good. I know that. A- after that, I, it kind of gets a little bit fuzzy for me. But a- as promised, uh, you have the Stanley Cup Finals Game 6 going on right now at Emily Arena in Tampa. And with 12 minutes to go in the first period, the Tampa Bay Lightning are ahead 1-0. On a goal by Steven Stamkos, his 11th of the playoffs, assisted by Andre Palat, his 10th. And I, I gotta give a lot of credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning. It kills me to say it because I wanted the Rangers so badly to be in this position after they got past the Carolina Hurricanes. I kind of had blinders on for a little bit. And I, I, I still kind of knew the light, the Lightning were better than them. And I, I, I had, in all honesty, pick the Lightning to win the series. But once once the Rangers went up 2-0, I, I kinda had I, I kinda forgot all about that. And it's like, okay, you know what? I am now fully on board. Rangers better win this series, because I'm going to a Stanley Cup Finals game. But the Lightning proved why they're two time defending champions, why they're going for the third cup. Because they are really, really good. They don't, they don't go away quietly. They, when they get knocked down, they get back up and they hit you twice as hard as the Rangers found out. You know, they, they had their chance to go up 3-0 and blew it by not score, not converting in those last few minutes and they let Tampa's, they let Tampa score that goal. And then from there, it just all went downhill. And the Colorado Avalanche are in danger of doing the exact same thing. They were up 2-0, including thrashing them in Game 2 by the score of 7-0. They beat the Tampa Bay Nobody scores 7 goals against Andre Vasilevsky. It doesn't happen. Not it, not not even in a series, let alone one game. Does anybody score 7 goals on Andre Vasilevsky, who I've resorted to calling the Iron Curtain? And yet, the Avs did it. And one of the things I, I always hate about blowout games is that the team that blows that blows out the other team usually comes out flat for a game or two afterwards. As the Rangers did after they won 6-2 against Tampa, they came out flat the rest of the series. In this case, 
for Colorado it was only one game, as they they lost game three but won game four, and then they lose game five at home, which is if you're an Avs fan that has to scare the crap out of you, knowing that Tampa can beat you in your house, and that game seven is in your house, and they've already won there. The Avs are looking for their first Stanley Cup championship since 2001. When after 22 years, Raymond Bork finally got to hold, got to hoist that cup. The, the Lightning, as I said, are looking for their third straight. And that hasn't happened in 40 years. Not since the Islanders won four straight in the early 80s has a team won three. We've seen teams win two in a row. We saw the Red Wings do it. We saw the Penguins do it. Twice, actually. We, like, we've seen teams get close. But never has a team won three in a row. Since the Islanders. And that's, that's where the, that's where the Lightning find themselves. And they went down 2-0 in this series just like they did against the Rangers. But they didn't die. It's like, it's like, it's like Michael Myers. Or Ghostface in the, in the Scream franchise. They don't die. They just come back stronger for the sequel, and then the sequel after that, and they just terrorize a new group of people. So that, that's where that's where they're at right now, early in the first period or reaching the midway point of the first period with the Lightning ahead one nothing. I do have to I do want to give some credit to Colorado Avalanche goalie Darcy Kemper, because outside of Game Three where the Lightning scored six, he's really been up to the task, and I, that was actually one of the things that concerned me about this series. The Colorado Avalanche are a fantastic offensive team, but as we saw in the series against Edmonton, they had a little bit of a defensive problem, which included, you know, Kemper getting hurt and Pavel Franzos had to go in for them. And Edmonton seemed to start scoring at will, especially in the first game, where that game just kind of went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And even though the Avs swept that series, Edmonton was never really out of it. Like they, they lost, but they, like they were in most of the games. So that that was the one thing that concerned me about this series for Colorado. Is like, were they? Is that same defensive team going to show up? Because if it is, the Lightning are going to score thou- are going to score a thousand goals on you. Thus far, it hasn't. Outside of one game, as Darcy Kemper's been been up to the challenge, he's he's really gone. He's really gone tit for tat with Andre Vasilevsky. I I do have I have to give credit where credit is due. I, I look at Val Nichushkin, who is playing while seemingly hurt from the reports I've been reading, and that's one of those things I do love about hockey players. They are actually Spartan warriors. That they they are being held up by duct tape and bubble gum, and they're going out there and playing. Because it's a cup, because they want to be out there for their teammates, for themselves, to be to be contributing to a championship, and I, I really do respect that. Because now, after these next two games, you've got July, August, September to recover and be ready for training camp in September, October. You got you got that time. You know, you're you're this for a lot of guys. This could be your either your last chance at a Stanley Cup. Could be your only chance at the Stanley Cup. 
And for some guys like Kale McCarr, like this could be your first of many. But for, but for those guys who haven't been there, like you're going to do everything you can to be a part of it. And that, that's, I, I, I respect that about Nichuskin. I respect that about Ryan Lindgren for the Rangers that I don't know how he was walking at, by the end of that, by the end of that run because he was, he seemed to get hurt every night and then still would somehow come back out for his next shift five minutes later. And I, I, I was, I was beyond impressed by that. I like, I, I know just like me, an average person who's not an athlete, that if I, I took a 100 mile hour slap shot off my ankle, I would probably never want to walk again. And these guys are like, oh, yeah, no, this hurts, but we're gonna, we're gonna keep playing. I have a, I have a broken ankle. Yeah, I'm gonna just wrap it up as tightly as you can and, as long as I don't feel like skate, we're good. I, I look at Nathan McKinnon on Colorado. He's most li- like, assuming that Colorado wins, like he's probably gonna probably win the Conn Smythe as he for playoff MVP as he has been really really good this playoffs. Like you could make you could have even made the case for Connor McDavid to win it, even though they didn't make the Stanley Cup Finals because he was just that dominant. In the playoffs, but I mean, it, it usually does go to like it does go to a team, goes to a player on a team that wins Stanley Cup more often than not. It has happened a few times where it doesn't, but I would say like ninety nine percent of the time it go, it goes to a guy on the winning team. You want to look at Tampa if they win, you got to be looking at Steven Stamkos, team captain, probably the best player. They've had since Le Cavalier and San Louis. Already a two-time Cup champion, looking for his third. One of the best, one of the better goal scorers in the league right now. I would, I would say in the prime of his career, but like that's getting closer to the end of the end of the prime, where the the descent will start to come. As he's now, I believe, thirty-two. But he's been having a fantastic playoffs, and as I said, scored his 11th goal of the playoffs in tonight's game. Vasilevsky, uh, as, as we said earlier, just continuing to play well after going down 2-0. And if this one goes seven, good money has to be on Tampa, as Andre Vasilevsky does not lose game sevens. Not only does he not lose game sevens. He doesn't lose clinching games just in general. As they they showed the stat after they beat Florida, that in his previous seven games, where the Lightning had the chance to clinch, he had six shutouts. And in, in that clinching game that he had against the Rangers, the Rangers actually managed to score a goal, which is one of the more amazing things I I didn't expect to happen in that game. I had already kind of I had already kind of accepted that the Rangers were going to lose Game Six because they the way they lost Game Three, the way they lost Game Five, I kind of I kind of knew what was coming. But after they scored that goal to tie the game, yeah, I had that brief moment of hope that okay maybe they can maybe they can figure this out. Twenty one seconds later, no, you will not be happy. And the Lightning get to celebrate in front of their fans. And should they win today, they win their they win the last game at Amelie Arena for the season. 
and they get to go to Colorado for one last shot. And that, that was that was the theme of my show last month was one game. Cause I think cause I think it was right around right around the game seven of the Pittsburgh series was when I was last on, and the focus was I'm sorry it was the Carolina series, and it was, the focus was one game, one game for everything, like one game to prove it, and that that's what. The Lightning have in front of themselves right now. They have one game tonight to prove it. To have one more. One game. As an aside, I'm going to step away from that for a second and go to another hockey point. I do want to give my congratulations to Igor Shesterkin for winning the Vezina Trophy as the best goalie in the league, which he was far and away this season. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying. When you have a goalie that is nominated for the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP, how can you not nominate him as best goalie? Because it, to say that he's not the best goalie to be nominated for MVP, that just seems asinine. Then why wouldn't you have the guy who would win the Vezina be nominated for MVP as well? So in that case... Big congratulations to Igor. I don't think that's going to be his last. I think it's going to be the first of multiple. And that puts the Rangers in a good position for the future where they can continue to make decent runs in the playoffs. Because, just like with Henrik Lundqvist, Igor Shosturkin can carry this team as far as he can. While we would like to see that he doesn't have to and he can get more contributions from the offense which, especially in the Tampa series, went completely ice cold, where they couldn't get shots on net. They, they could barely get the puck out of their zone. And that, that was one of my biggest gripes in that series, and it almost made me shudder at the thought of what the Colorado Avalanche would have done to them. Because they convert off of turnovers at a clip I haven't seen other than the Tampa series. And... What Tampa did to the Rangers is exactly what I think the, the Avalanche would have done to them. But I, it might have been even more so. So I, I don't think the Rangers had the, the speed to carry, to carry with them and to keep up with them. And that, that's something that I think Chris Drury has to be looking at going into free agents. They're going to need some people with some speed. They're going to need some people that can win faceoffs because they did not do that in the playoffs at all. That's a huge problem that needs addressing, and I want to see how Chris Jury does address that because he does have some decisions to make. There are guys that are impending free agents like Ryan Strome and Andrew Kopp. Are you going to re-sign them? Preferably, if I had to choose one, I'd choose Kopp over Strome because after Strome missed that empty netter in Game 5, I didn't want to see him play for the Rangers ever again. Not in Game 6. Not ever again after that. And I, I, I think, I think Strom's time in New York is done. I want to see what they wind up doing with Capocaco. I think they're going to give him the bridge deal. You know, you have two years prove to us that you're ready for this. I mean, he got, he got scratched in game six against Tampa and that, and that's telling. That you had this guy who's 21 years old in his third season and should be part of your, 
your team's future and a, and a cornerstone of what they've been rebuilding for for the last three or four years. And he's getting scratched in game six because he was largely ineffective offensively and making mistakes defensively that can't happen. And that's something he's going to have to work on in the offseason. Because there, there's a hundred guys out there that are that can and will take your spot if you're not up to the task. And, and I truly believe that, that Kako is. And may, maybe that's just because I, I want to believe that he is. But I, I truly believe after watching him this season that he's got, that he's got the ability. I, I don't have any delusions that he's going to be this 45 goal scorer, 50 assist guy. I, I don't have, I don't have that thought in my head that he's going to be a 100 point player. Because that, that's just not the type of person he is. Do I expect him to do more than put up 20 points a year? That I do. I would like to see him be in the 50 to 60 range. Because as a number two pick, I think you should be capable of doing that. You should be able to contribute offensively on a team that has a lot of, a lot of offensive talent. If you're, if you're playing on a line, as we saw in the first and second round, when you're playing with Alexi Lafreniere and Philip Hedl, the kid line, which was Really, one of their one of the best lines that they had in the playoffs. Like you should be, you should be able to do something. I, I, I don't need, I don't need him to score a thousand goals a year. While that would be nice, but you you, you got to do more than what you showed in the playoffs, because really it was Lafreniere and Hedl, and more so Hedl doing the contributing on that kid line. Is Hedl got real hot in the playoffs. And I, I think that, that bodes well for his confidence. Like Lafreniere, I, I was very pleased with watching him play in the Blazers, and I think he's, I think he's only gonna get better. Kako is the guy I'm, I'm now, I don't, I don't wanna say concerned about, but I, I am interested to see what happens next. And, and maybe losing a hard fourth series is going to be good for him. And getting scratched in that last game, it's going to send a message to him that says, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not invulnerable here. Like, there's somebody that can take my spot and will if I if I don't shape up." So I I I would like to see what what he comes in for training camp, you know, going into his fourth full season, and really really put together a good season that. Gives fans that excitement and hope that we all expected from him when he was taken number two overall in 2019. When when that draft came down, like we we were all excited, like that like that was our guy. And everyone's like, you know, forget about Jack Hughes. Kako is going to be the better one. And right now, I would I would say Hughes has been the better player. I think the Devils, obviously, you know, get you get the number one pick. You're you're going to do just. For the most part, unless you completely screw it up, like the Oakland Raiders did when they drafted Jamarcus Russell, like you're gonna do, for the most part, you get a number one pick, you're gonna do fine. And, so far, even though the Devils haven't actually done anything, I, I like the way Jack Hughes plays, I like the way the whole family plays. Like Quinn Hughes up in Vancouver, I think is one of the best young defensemen in the league. He's not Adam Fox, he's not Kale McCarr, but he is right there. And I, I think we're seeing a really cool shift in 
what defensemen are doing. I think it started with Brent Burns a couple years ago with San Jose, where he was putting up like 27, 28 goal seasons. And now you're see, you're seeing a lot more offensive-minded defensemen really shining on teams. Guys like like Hughes can put up good numbers. McCarr won the won the Norris Trophy. Uh, Adam Fox last year wins the Norris, and he put up another solid season this year for the Rangers. And he's only getting better. I think he's I think he's going to win multiple Norris trophies as he should. But you have a, that really good core of young defensemen and you look at you look at most cider with Detroit who just won the Calder trophy he's he's another one of those up and coming young defensemen and between you and I, I they showed a picture of him when he was at the award show he looked like he was going to prom I, I, it's, it's it's crazy to me that this this guy's like 20 21 years old and he looks like he's like 17 i i had to kind of remind I, I had to remind myself a little bit, like, these are, like, these are still, for the most part, a lot of them are still kids. And it goes to show, like, what kind of amazing youth movement that professional sports is having, where these guys are taking the league by storm right out of the gate. It's not, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna sit you on the bench for two years and what, let you watch and learn like it's 1984. Like, no, you're, you're jumping in, you're right out of the gate, like, sink or swim, and, like, these guys are, these guys are swimming. And that, that is huge for the, the growth of the league, where you have good young stars that fans can identify with and support for long stretches where they're not, they're not going anywhere. Like a guy like, like you look at, you look at Fox on the Rangers. He just signed a long contract extension, which gets him through the rest of his twenties and really into it, like through his prime. You know, when he comes down to, you know, his thirties, he can get a, he can get another big contract. But that's, that's what you wanna, that's what you wanna see. You wanna see guys that you say, you know what, that's whose jersey I want. That's, that's the guy who's gonna be the face of my franchise for the next ten years. And teams are building those, building those cornerstones. Uh, yeah, you had the, the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's in Edmonton. Like those are guys that you can build, and the Edmonton Oilers did build around. The league markets them very well, especially now that games are on ESPN again. You know, you have the worldwide leader in sports broadcasting your games on a nightly basis, so you have these guys out there front and center. Guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr on Colorado, those are guys you're seeing every day getting interviewed. Doing the doing the mid period intermission, you know they they're get they're getting those guys and you're seeing them on a daily basis, and that's huge for the league. I I want I personally want to see Colorado win tonight just because I don't want to I don't want to talk about how the Lightning are gonna win the third Stanley Cup in a row and I want I want to see some change. I I want to see them I, I want to see them break up selfishly. Like seeing a team really have a dynasty is is cool. I don't dispute that. But when your team was one of the reasons why they got there, it kind of eats at you a little bit. And obviously, since I want since I want to see the Rangers eventually win a Stanley Cup, I'd like to see the Lightning have to break it down because they eventually realize they don't have enough money to pay everyone. 
which may which may actually be starting this year, which I'm kind of excited. A lot of people seem to think Andre Pilat is going to leave at the end of the season, as he'll be an unrestricted free agent, and maybe he'll sign elsewhere. I would I would love to see him go to the Western Conference and just watch the Lightning take that hit. Because this year, as we saw, the Eastern Conference was incredibly deep. All eight teams that made the playoffs had 100 points. All of them had over 40 wins. I think six of them had over 50 wins, if I if I remember correctly. That's not something you see every day, where all the teams, one through eight, with the exception of the Toronto Maple Leafs, because they don't know how to win in the playoffs, you could make a legitimate case for every single one of them to be representing the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. A lot of people probably thought it was going to be Tampa. A lot of people probably thought it was going to be Florida, because Florida was one of the best teams in the league. A lot of people thought it might have been Carolina. But top to bottom, you could have made a legitimate case for all eight teams in the Eastern Conference, and you would say, okay, I can see that. Where in the Western Conference, you could really only make that case with maybe three teams, Colorado, Edmonton, and Calgary. And sure enough, who were in the... Who were in the conference semifinals? Colorado, Edmonton, and Calgary. And who was in, who was in the conference finals? Edmonton and Colorado. So they, that one was kind of that one was pretty chalk for the most part. And there there's there's some teams in the Western Conference that are starting to come up again, like the Los Angeles Kings, like the Dallas Stars. Like I would like to see the Anaheim Ducks get good again. Guys like Trevor Zegers on their front lines. He's he's a, another fun young player, another guy that you can really build around. So they, there's there's options in the Western Conference where you can you can try to get the throne. The Eastern Conference you're gonna you're gonna have to earn every every win. Teams like Ottawa and Buffalo are very quickly getting left behind, and unless they unless they do something drastic. They're, they may never, they may never see the light of day again. Like, they, like they may sneak into the playoffs here and there, but at least for like the next like five, six years, the Eastern Conference is kind of locked in where it's at. Because yet, most of the teams in the top echelon of the conference have solid young cores. Like with the exception of Boston, that's getting a little bit older. Uh, Tampa, because they, they're not going to have the cash space to do it. A lot of these teams have have some flexibility to bolster their rosters and make prolonged runs. Being the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Capitals, even though Ovechkin is starting to get old, they still have some. They still have a little bit of wiggle room, and as long as Ovechkin is healthy, they'll go as far as he can. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how how the NHL shapes out. Over the next several years, because there's there's really a lot that can happen, and so much intrigue as we go further into this new era of hockey, of of these young players that have nothing but potential and dollar signs ahead of them. That's gonna do it for me tonight. I want to thank Brian Graves, of course. I want to thank all of you for listening, and since. The 4th of July is next week. I want to wish you all a happy 4th of July. Enjoy your barbecues. Enjoy your afternoon baseball. 
Enjoy, enjoy your time off. And I'll be back next month. Make sure you're tuning in. Have a good night. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.